The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Noel McNeil is an actor, director, puppeteer and writer of children's television who has performed in various Henson productions working on Sesame Street on and off since 1982 and he's arguably best known as the performer of Bear from Bear in the Big Blue House. How are you doing today? I'm good, how are you? Yes, I'm doing great. So first of all, let's start at the very beginning. How did you <laughs> get into puppetry originally? Um, when I was a kid, there were many more uh, puppet shows on here in the United States where I grew yeah. up. And there was people like uh, Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop. She was mm. a ventriloquist. There was uh, Kukla Fran and Ollie yeah. with Bert Tilstrom. And uh, there was uh, Paul Winchell, who was another ventriloquist, and he uh, had a show called Winchell Mahoney Time. And Paul Winchell went on to become uh, a voiceover artist for many cartoons, including he was the original voice of Tigger for the Winnie the Pooh Disney cartoons. Yeah. And he helped create the artificial heart. Oh, wow. So puppetry can save lives. Yeah, that's incredible. Yes. So, yeah. So then um, I had seen these kind of puppets, which were kind of like uh, little traditional, almost like Punch and Judy style puppets or the kind of like sock puppets like uh, Lamb Chop. And then when I was really little, there was this uh, show on our local uh, public television station. And it was a Sunday night and it was a half hour show introducing this brand new kids show coming on tomorrow morning. And it was hosted by two puppets and it was puppets I'd never seen before, this style mm where their mouths moved in time to the words and one kind of looked like a banana and the other had the sh head of a football and their names were Ernie and Bert oh. and they were talking about this new show called Sesame Street mm. and they showed clips and they showed um, one puppet that could actually walk around by himself and he was called Big Bird. Uh. And I knew that, I mean, I was old enough to know the alphabet and what a triangle yeah. was, but I just watched Sesame Street just for the Muppets and then started following their um, career through the 70s, doing um, different specials and appearances on different TV shows. And then when I was in high school was the, the height of the Muppet show. Mm. And that's when I thought, well, if Jim Henson and these people can make a living doing this, maybe I could too, because yeah. I always loved uh, puppets. And it was the kind of thing where at one point I wanted, I was thinking about being an actor, but being um, African-American, I realized that my roles would be limited to gang member on the left or drug dealer on the right. Mm. So with a puppet, I could be anyone or anything I wanted to be. And so 
I did research the old-fashioned way. Mm. I went to because this was before the live before the internet and whatnot. I went to the library, which is kind of like you know a bookstore, but it's yeah. free. And I did research, and there were. At that time, there were two colleges here on the East Coast. One was in Stores, Connecticut, mm. at the University of Yukon in Stores, Connecticut, where to this day, you can get your four-year degree, master's degree in puppetry. Mm. And another was here in Brooklyn, New York, and it was uh, a college called Pratt Institute. Mm. And nice yes, name. I realized the word Pratt needs, <laughs> yes, it means something completely different on your side of the ocean. Yeah. However, here, it was just named after a guy named Pratt. Chris. So, you know. Yeah. So um, and so they had at that time a theater department and within the theater department was a puppetry course taught by one of the designers and builders of the Muppets. He specifically built and designed uh, Big Bird and Mr. Snufflebagus. Yeah. And his name was Kermit Love. And no, the frog is not <laughs> named after him. It's just a freaky coincidence. And so I uh, had all these things laid out. And then I went to my mom to let her know what I wanted to be. Now, my mom was a single mom. She was holding down two jobs to send me through private school because I grew up in central Harlem. So it was a choice between the school where the kid got stabbed or the other school where the kid got shot. So she sent me downtown to the Rhodes private school. And she was a single mom. She'd been taking care of me. She had been taking care of her mother before she died and her uncle before he died. And this was all after my father walked out on us when I was 18 months old. Mm. And so I was telling the single mom holding on two jobs, okay, I know what I want to be. I want to be a puppeteer. Yeah. And I just braced myself for what she would say. Yeah. And she looked at me and she said, okay, what do we have to do? Oh, wow. oh uh, well, and, and it's like, and it just threw me. Like, oh, well, there's this. And there's this college. And she said, okay, what do we have to do? Well, this is due on this day. This is on this day. It's like, okay, what do we have to do? That's all she kept saying. Yeah. She never belittled it. She never dismissed it. She never uh, patronized me about it. And she said, always told me, because she had been a, a, a secretary, then got promoted to a private secretary. And she said, I've been typing the same letters for the past 20 years. Mm. Just, she said, you can always get a job, get a career. And so that's what I did. Yeah. So with a blessing, that's how I pretty much started. So between Jim Henson and my mom, that's how I started my little journey into puppetdom. Yeah. And do you remember what the first job you ever got was in puppetry? Uh, yeah, actually, it was uh, through, uh, again, through um, Kermit. I mean, I'd done, when I was in college, I would make side money by um, doing like birthday parties for the kids. But my first professional job as puppeteer came through Kermit's workshop, because even though he did stuff for the Muppets, he had his own workshop. Yeah. And his workshop got this job to do these three commercials for a product called Magi Bouillon Cubes. And what was amazing was that it was three commercials, but it was three commercials to be shot in Paris. <laughs> and so... It was my first professional job, my first time going to Europe, my first time going to Paris, my first time on an airplane. <laughs> I had to like apply for a passport ASAP. And so that was um, my first professional gig. And it, it, we, we shot them for about like four days yeah. because uh, with the um, I, I, I realized later on, like everybody has a different schedule. Yeah. And for this particular commercial, the French had their own schedule. So the first day we went in, got it was a, a studio outside of Paris and we got driven there 
and got there around nine o'clock and things were being set up and kind of like um, talked through and run through until 1030. Yeah. And then we broke mm. for lunch and got driven to this nearby restaurant. And for the next two hours, just sat with the like the client and the director and his staff and just ate and drank. <laughs> and it's <laughs> just like, OK. <laughs> and then we came back and then we just pretty much shot like straight through until that evening and got out around like I think like seven o'clock or so wow. something like that and so that was it for like the next like three days after that so but yeah that was my first professional job even before working on sesame yeah and then how did you get the chance to work on sesame street was that a similar thing uh yeah um kermit was um because he had designed and built Big Bird, he was um, the wrangler on yeah. Sesame Street. The wrangler is the person who preps the puppets and makes sure they are camera ready. So make mm. sure that um, any props or any costumes that are needed are prepared for the puppets and also just the puppet themselves, whether or not uh, the puppeteer needs a right hand or if the right hand should be pinned and stuffed or whatever. Mm. And so he had gotten himself an assistant and so yeah. who, who was there for many years. The assistant moved on to another job and so just before um, they went back into the production in the September of 1982, which would have, would have been my senior year of college, he asked mm -hmm. me what I want to be as assistant on Sesame Street. So after thinking it over for a nanosecond, I said yes <laughs> and just never went back and just started on Sesame Street as a wrangler, which was great because I had a great education in television production, especially for like the ultimate kid show, because back then Sesame Street was uh, an hour yeah. and the uh, season would uh, last from like September almost to like the middle of March of like wow. following year. So it was like this really nice long stretch because they would do so many original uh, shows. Yeah. Uh, street stories that took place on the street. And then what was called the Muppet inserts where they would for a week not do the street stories and give the human uh, uh, a break as well as Carol because Carol Spinney, my mentor, was Oscar and Big Bird. Yeah. And so he get that week off. And then that's when they would do the inserts with Bert and Ernie and Cookie and Kermit and Grover and any little miscellaneous Muppets on these little side sets. And that's when Jim Henson and Frank Oz would come in and do their their characters. Um, so that's how I started on Sesame. And then I transitioned to being like a background puppeteer and right hand. Right hand means hmm. assisting a, a principal puppeteer. So like um, mostly right handing means working with the puppets that are called practical hand puppets, which yeah. you seen you just didn't know they were called these but it takes two people so you know the count cookie monster you know fozzy bear um those are the kind of puppets where uh jerry nelson who was the count he would put his hand inside the count's head and his other hand in the count's left hand and then i would put my right hand into the count's right hand so that mm. this way it would look like he had both hands um going for counting and pointing and there's this uh, classic bit that's on youtube it's called the batty bat and it's this kind of mm. waltz that the count sings and i was doing his right hand and Richard Hunt, one of the other uh, puppeteers on the on the on Sesame, one, he was the one of the principal puppeteers. He, for the Muppets, he was uh, Janice and Scooter, and he was also on Sesame Street. He was on Fraggle Rock, and he gave me this great tip, saying that because Jerry and I would literally have to like twirl around, he told me to take my thumb and loop it through the back of Jerry's uh, belt loop and back, and pretty much just hang on. Yeah. And so that's what I did when it was time to like dance. Um, I would just like like I looped 
moved my thumb and just like held on and just like we just like twirled around and it looks great yeah. like from like you know from the elbow up it looks great down below it's a mess because i'm trying not to trip <laughs> over the man and it's just like and it's and and the thing is it's all one take they do yeah. they put in these little inserts of the bats like do a close-up of them singing but the whole song is just one without those inserts it was one solid take with no cuts of the count just singing which mm. was great yeah definitely and then of course years later you went on to work on bear in the big blue house in about 1997 so how did you get approached <laughs> to work on that Wow, we're just jumping light years here. Okay, <laughs> um, um, yeah, I uh, I'd been puppeteering for a while, and yeah. Jim Henson Company uh, knew me, and so. I actually got called in to audition for this character that morning and it was actually for a game show and it was just yeah. kind of like big character and I thought okay this is okay this is nice and it was fun yeah. then I went back home and then later that afternoon like around like around almost four o'clock I got this call saying no we have this other character for this other show would you mind coming in and doing that as well and I was like yeah. okay sure and so they uh, faxed me yes kids faxed me <laughs> <laughs> the sides, uh, the lines from part of the script, and a, and a drawing of what the character looked like. Mm. And I'm sitting in the cab because I, I lived on the Upper East Side, so it was just like a 10-minute cab ride from my place to down to the Henson Workshop. Yeah. And I looked at this drawing, and it's this drawing of this like bear, and he's got these little animals around him, and this huge moon with a smiling face. And I thought, oh, this is cute. This is a very kid show. <clears throat> and looking at the script and all that and I walked in and Peter Van Roden who was an executive at the time he said to me do your own voice and I said what we're the Muppets we don't do that he's like no no do your own voice and the point of it was they wanted Bear to be different from say a certain purple dinosaur that was roaming TV back then they wanted to have just a fairly normal kind of nurturing soothing voice that both kids and adults could actually sit together and watch because that was the whole point of Bear it was designed so that the way Bear spent time with his friends kids and their grown ups could spend time together with Bear and then continue on after that and all that day they had heard people come in and of course it was a bear so voices like this it's just all these gruffy voices and so that's when he said just do your own voice and i was like um, okay and so back then before i was married and had a kid i called this my uncle noel tone so whenever i would visit a friend who had kids i would immediately go into uncle noel mode and just have this kind of tone of like you know hey what do you want to do it's like okay it's like you it's like you make up the rules we follow along and just like go with what the kid was doing and i got into i got into uh, the, uh, the outfit and it was kind of like just the understructure so there was no fur on it and uh you can actually find it on on youtube as well called under bare rarities there's like a clip of it and you can see like the understructure because the fur would eventually go over this but so it's kind of like looking at bears if it were a, a living x-ray of what's underneath the fur yeah. and i got inside and it felt so good and it was like really great and i was like oh my gosh this would be really fun to do and then i realized no it's quarter to five it's friday afternoon <laughs> you're not going to get this they just want to cover their bases yeah. so that's when i just said you know screw it i'm just gonna have fun yeah. and that's what and that's what pretty much I give advice to like people, like one of the advice I give about like being a puppeteer, when you go for an audition, just have fun and then forget about it. <laughs> yeah. And so 
I did. I just had fun. And in the script, it called for him to, at one point, sniff and realize it's the viewer. Mm. And so that's when I just used the space and I was like running around. And suddenly I had the prototype head, like look at the camera. And then I just ran up and jammed the nose all the way in and pulled it out and then jammed it in and pulled it out again and just had fun, like with the camera, like holding up a glass of water and holding up really close and having Bear's eyes on the other side. And then I said, thanks. And I left. And then the following Monday around just before six o'clock, that's when I got a phone call saying, no, we'd like you to be Bear. And I was, what? (laughs) And yeah. It's like, and so that's how it started. I just auditioned and just had fun. Yeah. And somehow fun won. Mm. Yeah. And in terms of the show itself, how would you describe that to somebody who perhaps has never seen it? Um, Let's see. Well, you guys didn't have him over there, but mm. growing up, I had this other uh, kid show puppeteer, Fred Rogers, and it was called yeah. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. So a lot of people, one TV critic described Bear as Mr. Rogers in a fur coat. <laughs> and it's just like this kind of like, um, Bear's, Bear's very rare that he was an adult puppet character because so many puppet yeah. characters reflect the little kid at home. But Bear was an actual grown up. He was an actual adult. So it was, you know, a Bruin who happened to own a home and had these little kid-like characters come by and visit him and spend the day. And he helps them discover the world around them. And at the end, he goes up and talks to his friend about the day he had, who uh, just happens to be the actual moon. (laughs) And she gives him kind of the big picture, the way he was like helping his little friends. Mm. And so pretty much it's a show about discovering the immediate world around you because that was the whole premise when um, when little kids are really little their world is their home and so discovering everything around you just in your home and with the, the grown up caregiver around you that was the that's pretty much the show yeah and I've seen in pictures as well you have a kind of smaller version of Bear just a panned version it's not a full body version no it's not it's yeah. like, kind of like if Bear got stuck in the dryer it's like <laughs> put him in there it's like my, yeah, my nickname for him is Cub because this is like a smaller version it's a it's a puppet of a puppet which is very yeah. meta <laughs> and what do you use that for is that it's just more practical to use that when you go places uh yeah it was originally created because uh two very dear friends of mine paul mcginnis and Haley jenkins who are puppeteers yeah uh they were getting married a couple of years ago and Haley was one of the puppeteers down at walt disney world at the disney mgm studios for the uh bear bear live on stage show where mm-hmm. it was a show that had the puppet characters and puppeteers lip synced to our voices with the character. She was one of the puppeteers and she always loved the show. So Paul asked me and Tyler Bunch and Peter Lentz, who were also two of the originals from the series, would we do a song for the reception, the song Otter Love? Yeah. And I thought, oh yeah, that'd be great. And then I thought afterwards, after saying yes to this, I thought, you know, it's kind of weird to have like like three grow guys up there just like doing these silly voices. <laughs> so I thought it'd be really fun if maybe if we could like Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Have puppets. And so I made like tip and pop puppets for Peter and Tyler. Mm. And then I wanted to make a bear for me. And I got the fur. I found fur that closely resembles like fur, fur a bear would have. And James Voitall Jr. is one of the builders of the original bear. Like he built like bear's head. And so I, and he's a good friend of mine. And I asked yeah. James, like, okay, James, like, how do I do this? Like, what pattern should I have? And he kind of sketched it out. And then I kept, just kept <clears throat> all that one day, just kept texting back and forth. Do I do this? Do I do this? Finally, he just texted, no, just send me the damn for I'll just do it myself. <laughs> and so he did. And the day of the wedding at the hotel, I get a knock on my door. James comes in with the bag and hands it to me. And I pull it out. And he is just this gorgeous little mini masterpiece of bear. It's so professionally done because James will always like give 190%, even when he's not getting paid for it, because he, he said like he has to look at it and, and be proud. Mm. And <clears throat> he just made this for me and I've always used it and I've credited him ever since and I've used it for con, comic cons yeah. um, I actually was supposed to attend a comic con uh, in Ireland last year but yeah. of course something happened <laughs> So, uh, but I've used it for Comic-Cons. I'm also using it now on um, TikTok because yeah. during the lockdown, my son, who, who at that time was 15, going on 42, he said, <laughs> no, why don't you, I said, dad, why don't you go on TikTok? And I said, what's a TikTok? And after a two minute patronizing explanation, he yeah. said, and you should use your bear puppets. Like, why? He's like, millennials, millennials grew up on bear. They love bear. And I was like, okay. And it was like, you know, we're here. It's something to do. So I just did this little video saying, hi, I'm on TikTok. And it just exploded. And I've put these little videos on ever since. And people just continually comment on the fact that, you know, it's one of the best parts of their childhood. My son said if we had a dollar for every time someone used the word childhood, we could buy our own <laughs> island at this point. <laughs> and and so I've used it on TikTok. I used it on uh, Cameo and Memo, which are these little apps where you can get um, a celebrity to 
say, you know, wish you a happy birthday or yeah. congratulations. So I've, I've done those as well. And it's been very uh, honor. It's, it's been an honor and just very humbling how people just still love this character and how he and his little friends still resonate after all these years. Because adulting is hard enough. And after last year, it's just been just been like putting people over the edge. So the fact oh, yeah. that this character came back to say, hey, it's okay. You're going to get through this. <laughs> and you're still smelling good. It just really helped a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. And I guess as well, does working on a kid show feel good? Because you could be making a big difference in a small child's life. Um, yeah, it's it's the kind of thing where it's, <clears throat> first of all, you're getting to do what you wanted to do. I mean, yeah. I'm very fortunate in that I got to do exactly what I set out to do from when I was in high school and college. Very few people do that. Mm. And so working on a kid show, like working on Bear, we, we were having fun because it was the opportunity for me, Tyler, Peter, um, Vicky Eibner, and uh, Jim Krupa to really uh, have fun and yeah. have these characters that were ours and we were creating them. But then as the show got more popular, that's when we would have kids come by and visit the set, oh, yeah. which was great because it's a nice reminder of like, this is why we're really doing this. And it got so popular by the fourth season, we couldn't just like stop and start and stop and start for kids to come by. So we set yeah. it up like every two weeks, we would set up so that a certain number of kids could come and visit the set mm. and so we would start at nine o'clock we would shoot what we could until 10 which was usually uh the opening scene with bear welcoming you he's explaining what he's attempting to do he gets interrupted um <clears throat> he, ex- he introduces the theme of the day and then there's usually mm. bear's song and then at 10 o'clock that's when we would stop and mm. we would set it up so that kids could then come through and the way the set was designed they could come up the ramp and there was the otter pond and there was like pip and pop in the water then they go into the kitchen and there's uh trilo <clears throat> and then tutters by his mouse hole going to the foyer ojo is sitting there and then finally come into the living room and on the swing is bear kind of like santa claus yeah. and take and all the while you, you take pictures and then you would go out the door and our assistant director, Dean Gordon, set it up so that the ca- a camera would follow the family from beginning to end so that when they left, they could then take the tape with them, call it yeah. the bar mitzvah tape. And you could just take it with you as a memento of your, your visit. So we knew then, like kids really liked it. Now it's it's a it's a whole another revelation. The fact that all those little kids are now grown up, and many of them now are having their own kids, and now introducing their kids yeah. to Bear, and just realizing just how powerful this little show was to so many people. So many people have. Um, sending messages on uh, TikTok saying that this was like the best part of their childhood or they've had a rough childhood. This was the only positive thing or this was what they shared with their grandma or grandpa or their dad who have passed on or parents who say like this was like the, the best part of the day with my kids and we would sit and watch and we still sing the goodbyes. Some people, tw- it's like two different people in the last week have said that <clears throat> they used the goodbye song for their wedding reception when yeah. it was time to go. And it was like one one couple was in, I think, Detroit. Another couple was in like Australia. But these two people, these two couples had the exact same idea. Like we're going to use the goodbye song for dinner. So it's like the fact that it just resonates after all these years. And uh, next year, uh, 2022, October of 2022 is the 25th anniversary of the show. Wow. Premiering. Yes. So (laughs) it's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. 
And when you're puppeteering for a while, non-stop, your arm begins to hurt, doesn't it? So how do you cope with that? Oh, you you train it. It's uh, yeah. I was uh, you just get used to it. Um, you um, you do like exercises, like you know push-ups and sit-ups for your core, and yeah. but and um, also you stretch because you get into these contorted positions underneath. I mean, I I've told um different co-productions I've gone to for Sesame Street because Sesame Street has Sesame's all over the world. Yeah. You had your own sesame call for a while, the, the Furchester. Oh, yeah. And uh, so these co-productions, you go, and a lot of times the puppeteers aren't puppeteers. They're they're people who've never puppeteered, puppeteered before, so you have to train them. And so yeah. they have to get used to the fact that you know, your arm is going to be up, and sometimes you might be in a scene with other characters, and your character just comes in and just watches and listens, and that's it. And... You just have to just train yourself by doing like, like I said, just like keeping your arm up. I had a friend come over recently and uh, he wanted to get some, wanted to get his own like lesson in uh, puppetry. I was like, okay. <laughs> and we, uh, we did this thing where I've done this with actual training for the other puppeteers around the world. And I said, okay, it was like my character and his character up in the, up in the frame, up in the camera. And I said, okay, we're going to play a game. We're going to play an alphabet game. In this game, I'm going to say a letter, and we're going to name a city. And I'll start, and we'll go back and forth. It's also a training of, like, looking at the camera, and then looking at the character, and then looking back in the camera and focus. But it's also kind of an endurance exercise, too, like keeping your arm up. Yeah. <laughs> and And he made it until the letter P, and then he just, like... Actually, by the letter L, he started, the characters kind of started sinking a little. Yeah. And then by P, he just dropped. He couldn't keep it up before. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay. <laughs> so you just keep, uh, you just keep practicing. Yeah. It's the kind of thing. So you just get used to it and you just, and you balance it out. So, you know, you like, if you use your, um, right arm a lot you know then stretch out you know your left side as well to keep it balanced yeah definitely and you've done some work with last week tonight with john oliver as well right i have john is the exact opposite of children's television (laughs) (laughs) and uh it's great he he um has always said he always wanted to do like the muppet show and so he describes Mm -hmm. his show as closest to the Muppet show as, as he's gotten. I always tell people it's like if you combine uh, 60 Minutes, which was a um, magazine like news show here, if you combine 60 Minutes with Monty Python, like that's what <laughs> Last Week Tonight is because it's a very intelligent show with giving you straightforward, incredibly researched, accurate facts on topics a lot of times we wouldn't even think about, but then inserting that sort of irreverent humor to it to try and make it uh, funny. So uh, John did this great article interview in um, Vulture online mm. back in February, and they were asking him about the mascots. The mascots are those big, huge, stupid things that wander out every now and then. And he credited me as being the majority of them and the fact that I was there. And he was so complimentary. And he really does. And he's also uh, worked on uh, with, the Mupp- with the Sesame Muppets. Yeah. And uh, he really appreciates the fact that the puppeteers are actually professionals at what we do like you wouldn't just hand like a guitar to anybody and say okay yeah. play this and it's <laughs> the same thing with a puppet you just don't hand a puppet to anybody and say okay like bring this to life and make it interesting because you just really do need to practice it and so he really appreciates that yeah. and he uh they asked him of all the mascots which one kind of epitomizes the show and he said it's the giant squirrel mr nutter butter which <laughs> i got to do 
tied in with the whole um, Cole Baron Bob Murray thing. And so the fact that Nutter Butter could actually, like, you know, curse was great because mm. it's not TV, it's HBO. And so it was, it's, it's been really fun, like working with John, even in the, the void that he was like stuck in for a year and a half. Then, um, they're now back in the studio with a, a live audience. So I'm hoping before we wrap in November that I get to come back one more time. Yeah, definitely. And and, 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 he, and he's really nice. People mm. ask, oh, is he really nice? That he's one of the sweetest, nicest, most considerate men I've ever met. <laughs> and you've actually started a podcast during the pandemic as well called Noel's Book Nook. Yes, because that's what you do when you're locked down and can't go out. <laughs> <laughs> and you want to connect with people somehow. So, yeah, I started doing it. It actually came about when um, a couple of years prior, um, yeah. my son was came into our bedroom and said, uh, okay, I'm going to bed. And I was like, oh, okay, what story do you want me to read to you tonight? He's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> and he came over and kissed my wife and kissed me and said, good night. And he just like left. Mm. And we both looked at each other and just realized that like, that's it. It's just, it's just over. But that's what happens when you're a parent. There are certain yeah. things in childhood that just end without any yeah. preamble without any getting ready for it it just stopped and so the bedtime story was like it just stopped mm. and so during the pandemic i thought i've always wondered like what kind of podcast if i were to do a podcast do because there's so many out there yeah. and then it occurred to me it's like well what about reading i always like reading to my son maybe with parents and kids stuck at home and especially with people who remembered bear so well maybe they could use this sort of bear-like voice to like read them a story and so that's what i did so i i I did my podcast back here, Noel's Book Nook, and with um, stories and chapters from different books and poems. And it's it's very interesting reading like the original text of a lot of the stuff that we've gotten used to. Like yeah. one of the most bizarre, to the point of most disturbing stories is The Little Mermaid by Hans Christian Andersen. <laughs> and let me tell you, there is no singing Jamaican crap in <laughs> his original version at all. Oh. And so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Is it still appropriate though? Oh yeah, it's it's fine. It's just like it's very it's just like it's very it's very long. It's like yeah. before the like, you know, we, we know it as Ariel, but the little mermaid, she her other sisters would have this opportunity to go to the surface and kinda of like spend the day, you know, observing like the surface world. Mm. And it goes on for pages, like each one's adventure. Trying to set up the fact that she's intrigued by this, but it's like, oh my God, could we just get back to the actual, when is the sea witch coming? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, it's becoming like a travel log. Like, when are we getting to her part of the story? Yeah. So, yeah. And so, and I've, I've read um, um, chapters from like, um, like Frankenstein and um, Alice in Wonderland and um, Beatrix Potter is great because yeah. those stories are so short and so sweet. And, uh, and that's the other thing I had to, like, these are quote, Classics, but they're also public domain because yeah. after a certain year, I think now it's after 1932, you would have yeah. to pay a royalty to read uh, from a book or, or a story yeah. from a book. But before that, it's public domain. So you can just read like whatever you want. Yeah. And some of us, so many of us grew up on these that we know the stories or we think we know the stories. And then I started reading them and it's just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was fun. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And how's the, Sesame Street movie coming along is it still paused well um again uh we were going to do that last year and mm. something happened yeah so 
it might happen next year or maybe <clears throat> or maybe the year after that Ooh. so it isn't completely dead it's kind of just like standing by for yeah. when things are a little more i guess stable and calmed down so but yeah so it's it's standing by but it's not coming anytime soon in the meantime <laughs> watch follow that bird because yeah. i i worked on that movie that was my first oh, wow. actual motion picture and i got to work on it and the very first character you see is madam chairbird the feathered friend society and that's me i got to, to do it i got to puppeteer it and be the voice for it and so and then i'm also uh carol standing in double for big bird in certain scenes and i got to puppeteer other background characters and then in the last scene when big bird's finally back on sesame street the uh social worker who's been chasing him across the country to get him back to his adopted family so i see he belongs with birds his own kind and Maria says, no, he has a family here and we have all kinds. And that's when the camera does this 360 turn <clears throat> to show all the people and creatures that live on Sesame Street. Mm. That day we shot it, they didn't hire enough extras oh. to populate the street. So it has become this sort of unofficial kind of tribute to everybody who worked on the movie. So mm. we've got all kinds. We've got people, we've got caterers, we've got the camera operators, we've got props, <laughs> we've got the lighting department, we've got, we've got Carol's wife, Debbie, we've got my mother who happened to be visiting, we've got me, <laughs> we've got, yeah, so it's like this great like little cameo that nobody uh, planned on. So mm. yeah, watch Follow That Bird, yeah. and that, which still holds up even even today. It's still it's still a great movie by Tony Geist and Judy Freeberg about, you know, family is the theme is the family is the, the people who love you. Like, that's it. And so it still holds up. So watch that. Yeah, definitely. That's the original Sesame Street movie. <laughs> Yes, follow that bird. Yeah, shot in Canada. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, if we're interested in keeping up with all the work that you're doing, where can we do that? Um, let's see. Right now, well, as you mentioned, on uh, last week tonight, there's like it's yeah. on. Uh, it's great that they provide it on YouTube, so that mm. you can actually watch it there on YouTube. So on last week tonight, I've been various things like Mr. Nutterbutter and uh, a moose getting a colonoscopy and a, a polar bear with a shrinking private and. <laughs> and uh, the front half of a Scottish unicorn, uh, the paws of a Supreme Court judge dog. I've been amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've got my own YouTube channel. It's called The Show Me Show. And it's a show I'm developing for kids with autism and special needs. And so I have a channel with little videos that kind of give you an idea of what the actual show would be like with uh, my puppet Phineas and other mm. puppet characters and friends who have also contributed their time and talent yeah. to it. Um, and then on social media, I'm on Instagram. Instagram at nmcneil. I'm on Twitter at nmcneil. I'm on uh, where am I? Oh yeah, TikTok. Look at nmcneil again. <laughs> uh, cameo and memo. Um, yeah, it's just like it's way way too much social media <laughs> that's out there. Oh, and my book and my my podcast, Book Nook, is available on oh, yeah. Apple and Spotify and Anchor and wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. It's been great having you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Toby. Hope you and your listeners uh, stay safe and enjoy autumn. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The throbbing pulse of sound, of sound. The Toby Gribbon Show!